Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. Hey, Vet Church, how y'all doing? So, um, okay, we're recording here. So, sitting here this Sunday morning early. Early. Very early. With um, Brian East and... You were a sergeant in the United States Army? Correct. I got out as an E5. An E5. And how, how many deployments? Two. Two. And where did you go? First time, we were based out of Anaconda. Um, but I spent many, I don't know how to say this, maybe tours or basically I was a combo guy. And what I would have to do is go to these different teams uh, that was in an MI unit. Uh, that would be 525 MI, uh, 519th Battalion. Um, and part of that would be into Crit, Mosul, um, Kirkuk, all other places. Um, when we go to Mosul, that was where our LERSH unit was. Uh, and basically, whenever I would grab the new um, encryption for the ANCDs, I would go along with these guys to fill their radios with encryption. But then I would hang out for a week or two at a time with each different teams and got to see a lot of stuff for the first time. The second time was the surge, uh, when Bush did the surge. We got recalled back from Christmas of 2006. It was, either five, it was six, 2006. And we left January of 07, and we were in Sauter City for the most part there. So both times in Iraq? Both times in Iraq, never Afghanistan. Okay. So so you got the tattoo of a... Uh... Correct. And that was from tearing down the shed yesterday, the scar. <laughs> Jumping and air assault. And air assault, correct. Yeah. So, um... I didn't, airborne is in my contract. Uh, air assault, I got to do, I guess they have uh, teams that come around to different bases, and Fort Bragg has an air assault course. So I didn't actually go to Campbell to get my wings. I was able to do it at Fort Bragg, okay. and that was pretty cool. Um, I was the last person slotted i had a first sergeant uh, garcia is when i was in 525 he got me in as the last person into that course which i thought was really cool uh but yeah air assault was fun airborne was fun that's cool i, I didn't either yeah <laughs> i ended my career at Fort Campbell. right <laughs> right right <laughs> um so so new format here on on vet church is that we're the idea we before we were doing everything on facebook live right and it was just too much, you know, it's, it's too much to sit and listen. So we're really, we started the podcast up this last year. We did well over 50 podcasts, maybe 55. Okay. Right. <laughs> but, but we did a few more podcasts Right. and then we realized that more people were listening to the podcast than we're actually being able to stay and watch the entire video video because the opportunity for you to tell your story. So you got two kids. Three. Three. I have three kids. And your wife is still in the Correct. She is in the Coast Guard. And so one day, this, you know, my thought was like one day we let folks tell their stories. And one day your kids will know because how many times have you, I mean, you work in a gun store, so you've heard people say stuff like this. I don't have any clue what my dad did, you know? Right. No, that's, that's very true. So That's th- actually very true. This will give that. Um, you have some really cool pictures. I do on my phone, and I would have if I would have known I was going to do that this morning. 
We didn't really set this up. Um, I would have brought more. I just grabbed these. I saw these. I've been working on getting them all printed out. I've had them on a hard drive since 2008 when I got out, I guess. Um, and I've already lost all my videos. I don't know what happened to all my videos. I had this Kodiak uh, camera yeah. that took those old cards, those flash SD mm. cards or whatever. Pretty kind of thick. Yeah, and I already lost all my videos, and I'm so upset about that because I had some really cool stuff on that. So I said, well, I need to get all these pictures printed out hard copy before. And so I, I saw these. These were somewhere. I, I have probably about three or four of these filled with pictures i just saw those and grabbed them well, we have we have video going here so we're, we're doing a podcast and then we've got um vet church video on youtube if you go to youtube pushing vet church video eventually i will take this voice running through our little audio stuff, right and i'll max it with that video over there i'll put it together Sweet. and and that way we'll preserve some of these pictures we'll hold them up there and um, for all y'all who are out there with us in Vet Church, if you want to catch the rest of this, it'll. I think I've got podcast one podcast up every Wednesday through the month of March, and that's kind of the new format as we're going on on Wednesdays at twelve o'clock. And so this will probably air the first week of April. Okay, cool. And um, that's that's the goal anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, y'all out there in Vet Church, thanks for tuning in. And uh, you see, we're doing planning in the background. A little bit of cool artwork that I've been working on to auction off. If anybody really wants artwork, hats, blah blah blah. But uh, cool. What's important is the story stuff. And so, let's go ahead and say goodbye to Vet Church folks. Love y'all for tuning in. Hope you catch the rest of this podcast. I'll see you later today for a small service. Uh, y'all take care. So we'll just we'll just incorporate that for okay. audience. We don't have to say it all cool. over again, and we don't have to talk into this thing anymore. Um, actually, we could leave it there for a study. Whatever. So, <laughs> um, two deployments, man. And how long you been out? I have been out now. I got out in eight. So whatever that is now, nine. I got out in March of 08. March. So what is that, 11 years? I think so. Because yeah, it's coming up on 11 years? Yeah, because in March of 08, I was, I left for Afghanistan in June of 08. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so that's the, because we came back, it'll be like, we've been back 10 years, so it'll be 11 okay. years for you. Yeah, yeah, I got out in March of 08. It's weird how we start like, like it's such a big thing. It is. Like, I, I look back and, and people are like, well, how are you doing? I'm thinking, well, I was I got out in 2013 in okay. May. You know, and so, like, it becomes this, it's almost like a birthday. It, it is, it is, you know, B.C., A.D., and after Army. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that is, <laughs> you is, can look at is. it just like that. I, I catch myself many times judging time references as to how far, how long I have been out of the military. Um, I don't know why I do. I, there's no reason for it. I, I, re, I definitely do. Uh, I catch myself thinking about that all the time. Um, I catch myself thinking about what if I stayed in, what if I didn't, uh, whatever. Um, it's. Do you find yourself on a roller coaster sometimes? Every day. Every day. Uh, I, I can. I see both sides of it. You have to understand that when I got out, 
the time I got out, I was ready to get out. Um, I had changed my beliefs religiously, politically, everything there. I changed a lot. Uh, and I found myself, almost as you said, like reborn in the idea of at least thinking um, and understanding as far as what we actually did over there and what we were told we were doing over there. Uh, I found myself, instead of listening to what was being told was what I was doing over there, I actually thought what was I started thinking what were we doing actually over there uh, so yeah I the roller coaster of it absolutely um, that that happens every day some days more than others um, most of the time it's not that bad but some days yeah it, it gets a hold of me and I don't know it's not good or bad I should say but it definitely makes you think it's definitely something that will never leave my life I don't think if I hadn't left it in 10 years it's not going to leave me in 50 years I don't think yeah I, I man I this old man, like right after I got out, I mm-hmm. I, I ride these combat bikes because I got hurt, you know, and I can't do other stuff. So I, I had an old bike and I traded it for another. And this guy called me out of New Orleans. He said, "Well, he said I'll drive to Pensacola if you'll drive to Pensacola. We'll do a swap." Okay. He's like, yeah. so anyway, we drove and, and we traded bikes, and the um, the thing that blew me away is we got to talking. He had been. He did something with the Navy, and I think it was some kind of subs or something. I I don't know what he did exactly, but he told me like every five years, like it it's like you're totally you know it like all comes back. Like you you think you're gonna get, he's like you think you're gonna get through this thing, and you're gonna like find a new career and everything. But everything you did in the military will come back in five years, and it's like you're starting over again. And this was, I mean, I was out three months. We just went to Alaska. Uh, we, we drove from, well, from Niceville, which is just around the corner. Okay. All the way to Alaska to Fairbanks. Bit of a drive. It was a drive. <laughs> it was really cool. We took a hop back. And, yeah. Um, but it, it was, uh, I didn't know what he was talking about. And now that I've been out for a minute, yeah. I do. I, I know about the roller coaster, and you know. And so, um, you got three kids. I have three. So, I have a daughter from a previous relationship. I was very young when I had her, and she was two when I left for the army. I left for the army in February of '04, and she was two. I was twenty at the time. And that's part of the reason why I went in. I wasn't doing anything. I was, I'm not going to say a screw up, but let's just say I wasn't doing any of the right things. You know, I needed to do something. I needed to, and the whole war thing had just kicked off. Um, I signed up for the military in the summer of 03, but I was in the depths program for months, months and months. I was in there for at least six months or so. Because it was the summer that I signed up. Yeah, and I didn't go until February. It was just a couple days after Valentine's Day that I went went in. Um, and she's probably the reason why I did go in. Uh, I wasn't doing anything. It was pissing my life away, basically. Uh, not really making any forward progress. So I decided to join. And that's really... There was no really patriotic call to join. There was no... Other reason that I just needed to do something. Uh, and my parents, 
um, helped me tremendously watching her. Now going back between her and her mom, my parents did an excellent job. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them watching her and making sure that everything was okay. Uh, and, and they did a, I can't thank them enough for that. I've told them that there's no way I'll be able to repay them for that. Because uh, they definitely put a better head on my shoulders, I should say. Um, so that, that's one of the... It made serious. It did. Uh, it made things real serious. Um, I knew that I was probably going to go overseas. Obviously at that time, you know, it's, it's such a long time ago. But at that time, I mean... We were ready to go over there. Everybody was ready to go over there and, and do whatever their part was going to be, whatever that part was. I don't know what my part or role in it would have been or if it was the right or wrong part. I have no idea. Um, but I came out completely different person. I, I can see that person that I was. I can look back at old videos and I recognize that person. Like I know who that person was. I just don't affiliate that person with me. Like it's very weird seeing somebody, like that's me, but that's not me today. And I barely even recognize that person. It's a very strange mentality thing of what happens and what, who came back from the person that who went into. It's very weird looking at old videos before I went into the military of me. Now, do you find that as a, you know, like, sometimes we talk about people go to war and come back changed. And, like, in the, in the connotation of that is that the person that has changed, the change is horrible. Like, they become this this person that's depressed, this person that's sad. I don't... I don't think I'm... I wouldn't say I'm sad or depressed or anything like that. It's maybe a person who just didn't know a lot to a person who has a lot more experience under their their belts and realizes that that kid right there was better be glad he went and did all this at least because uh, I don't know what I would have been doing if I never went in uh, I, I have no idea probably wouldn't be good to be honest with you uh, probably wouldn't be good but well, talk about talk about responsibility moving from that kid that was just you said a screw up because mm-hmm. I know you as a man you know, and, it, and we really don't know each other. No, we, we don't. We know each other through my cousin. Right. Um, but what I do know is that you work at, a, at a, a store that sells weapons. You have three children. Correct. And you have a wife who's in the Coast Guard right now. And you're, Correct. And you're getting ready to move. Correct. To Alaska. In just a few months. Yep. And you're helping people out do stuff all the time. I try to. So so I think of you. I think of a guy like, hey, man, even though I don't know you personally, I know you as a man of responsibility. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and I guess what you're saying is the kid before didn't have this responsibility. I had enough to get by. You know, I had enough to look good maybe on paper or something. But was I doing the right things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, wasn't, you know, there's an old saying that I've heard. And I don't know where I heard it. But show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Okay. So the people that I was hanging around with probably not the best you know what I mean and that's a very true statement if you're gonna put if you're gonna decide to put bad people around you you're gonna end up doing bad things no matter how well you are you're going to find yourself in a situation because you choose to hang around with these whether you do these things or not it's let's just say that everybody that I know that I'm good friends with is either probably now in jail for a very long time or is just not here with us anymore and that's just from back then correct um and I'll never forget the day that 
there's a good friend of mine. I'm not, I'm not going to say his name. Um, I can show you off air, but he he's down 30, 40 years. In fact, I talked to Mark about him, to Mark a couple of times, the person that, you know, your cousin, who we know through mutually. Um, because I saw that he's been moved all over the country because I got an inmate checker every once in a while and just see. This is a very close friend of mine back in the day. Now, I haven't talked to him at all since I went in. Uh, he got busted with a large amount of drugs. And I kind of, I mean, I don't talk to him. I don't know why I have this connection to him, but I just want to see how he's doing. And I asked Mark, and I was like, why would he be changed? You know, why would they move him all over? I just noticed on Federal Inmate Locator, he's all over the place. And Mark said maybe just because he's, you know, in trouble or I don't know why. I just, because he was in Yazoo, Mississippi, whenever we moved down here. And I thought, man, I'm very close to him. Maybe... Maybe there's this thing where I need to go see them. You know, we're in Alabama. We just moved from Oregon to Alabama when we first got here. We had moved from Oregon. My wife was stationed up there for six years. Let's go see him. Uh, and when next time I checked, he was all the way in California. And then when I checked, he's all the way, he's in Virginia now. Um, but that, the point is, is that you're talking about responsibility and I'm getting off track. I was not hanging around the right people. And I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to do something. And that's eventually why I went into the military. Part of it was, well, everybody at least be proud of me. You know, you get that whole sense of pride of going in. And the other part was, Brian, you know you really need to do something. You've got to do something. I wasn't going to school. I did, I, I won't go to school today. I, I, I can't stand it. I'd rather learn a trade. I'll go to a trade or something, but you can't put me in a classroom and books and start. The only thing I can get away with is history. I love American history, uh, and I can do that all day long. Um, so I had to do something. And that's... That's why I went in. The theme of, of surrounding yourself with good people mm-hmm. has come up here a bit. Now, sitting on the couch a couple of weeks ago at a party, we talked mm-hmm. about doing this. Um, one of the first things you said to me was something about that you ever watched that show The Korangal. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I had actually been there. Um, not in the show, but we're the group that came in afterwards. Or was it two afterwards? I can't remember. But we took over for 701st mm-hmm. uh, Sky Soldiers. Big Red One came in. We had the Cornwall Valley for a year. And we were talking a little bit. And then you said to me, man, there's a group that I was with in this movie called Brothers at War. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wasn't in it. You weren't in it. No, it was just like I wasn't in right. Restrepo or Cornwall. But it was about the unit that I was with while we were over there. Yeah, Correct. And, and, and that was actually the Lurch Company that was... Specifically, what it is, it doesn't show you the headquarters of the Alpha Bravo or Charlie companies, um, because it was more directed towards the brother, the family aspect. There was a bro- two brothers that were in, one that had passed, and the other one was the older brother, and he was going off filming. He had to know why his brothers went over to do that. But yeah, that's that was Brothers at War. Brothers at War. And it's on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. So you all can watch that. Um, it, it's. It, very interesting. Movie Very interesting. Because it, it deals with an aspect, of the, uh, the family aspect of war. Correct. Back to this, who you're with. Mm-hmm. So you brought a bunch of pictures. You were with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just, anything you want to show for the video screen here? Uh, I mean, and, not really. I was just going to bring them over to show to you. Just share stuff to stuff. Um, let's, like... I mean, there's nothing classified. No, here there's nothing like that. of that. Well, let's take for instance, like this guy right here. That's his name is David Gear. Um, he was in Lurch, but he was also a very good friend of mine. Um, he, 
I just got back in contact with him. He's now a CW3 or 4, and he's stationed up in Alabama. I just actually saw him last summer for the first time in, since I've been out, like 10, 12 years. I don't know. I just brought these to show you, man. Um, some of the work we did. These are with the Iraqi police um, that we did. Um, Iraqi pretty police, cool. in case you're wondering. There's me as a little lowly E3. Um <laughs> Where, where are you here? This is with another more of Iraqi police. That was somewhere outside of Anaconda, I guess. And I brought over cool ones. Like, that was when I got my German jump wings. We jumped with the German jump master, which was pretty cool. The Bundeswehr. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, I just brought some of these over to show um, that just things that I've done over there. Uh, let me tell you, if I can find a better picture of this guy, this guy right here. I don't remember a lot of names. I do not remember a lot of names of the people, but I will never forget this guy right here, and his name is Major Boyd. I don't know if he's still in the Army right now or not. This man, if he would have told me to walk into a front of a train, I would have done it. Yeah. He understood how to talk to people. I had very good NCOs, very, very good, excellent NCOs in the military. I have no complaints about any NCO above me. I had some horrible officers that did not know how to lead. That man right there, I was the very... First day he met me, he knew I had a daughter named Jade. Okay, when I arrived to the unit at 525 MI. A month or so later, you know, I don't talk to a major every day. I'm, you know, I'm a yeah, private yeah, at this yeah, stuff. He I'm asked not, me, how is your daughter Jade doing? I just found that very impressionable that he could remember my own daughter's name and not say how your daughter's doing, but specifically name her and talk to me like a human being. Again, I would have walked in front of a train if that man would have told me to. Just he knew how to lead. He was very impressionable. He respected you, uh, and I, that's I, I forget a lot of people's names over the years and dates and times and stuff. But like, there's other people like Garrett. What's, I'll what's never his forget name you? Major Boyd. I don't know his first name. I know his name is Major Boyd. Um, very excellent, excellent officer. I'm sure he's well up in the ranks now. Um, if he's even still in, I have I no idea. So. Um, these are a few like. Showing some of the guys that we captured and stuff. I mean, just some cool video or pictures and stuff. That um, there's nothing really in specific here. I don't know where what all. What is my, that stuff there? Well, this is just these are over at Overwatches. I believe that these are another police headquarters that we were at. Um, here's when we had helicopters flying overhead. Um, oh, cool. We actually have some dogs. There's either the Tigers or the Euphrates. I can't remember. Uh, which is pretty cool. Then I had more on my phone. I have all these printed out. I just don't know where they're all at. I got them still on my phone. Well, no, it, and this is interesting, too, because a lot of people don't have pictures. And yeah. Some people do. You know, um... I haven't made any videos of anybody's stuff because I don't want to become this guy that's got to send everything up and get it approved. Right. No, I don't blame you one bit. No, there's nothing. I don't have anything classified on any of my stuff. Did that, I show this picture? Absolutely. Did yeah, that was just in the... We went out with these guys. These were the Iraqi police. I have a lot more on my... So, so these folks that you surrounded yourself with, mm -hmm. you have a mission. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you still have it. That, that doesn't really matter. But you have this mission. And so everybody's focused in on the mission. And in that, things become serious. And you start taking life 
seriously. Yeah. You start taking responsibility. You start stepping up because you see value in the mission. Yep. And then you start realizing the lives are at stake because of this mission. So how do this host of characters, how do they look at each other? Like you, you mentioned, well, I had a bad officer. I had a good officer. I had NCOs. I had fabulous mm-hmm. NCOs. And I'm sure you had some that weren't so fabulous too. I mean, Not really. No, the, every, really. I, if there was a, if I had a bad NCO, I don't remember them. So we've used bad and good. What do you mean by that? Like, let's talk. Let's understanding break. leadership, uh, and not so much being your friend. Uh, let's, so I actually lived with this guy for a while, and he was an E five, and I was an E four, I believe, at the time. Either an E three or an E four. No, it had to be an E four. Uh, I got promoted an E four overseas. So Sergeant uh, Sergeant Gear, he, um, I lived with him. Maybe, probably shouldn't have chain of command type thing and whatever. But I would never put him in a situation where we at work and he told me to do something and it would be like, well, we're friends or whatever. I would completely, that would be gone and I'd Roger Sergeant won't ever do whatever. Um, and he showed me a lot. See, gear deployed overseas during the invasion and just listening and bring him teaching me things to to learn how when I get go overseas again, different things to do, how understanding, you know, weapons maintenance, things you'll actually need in the field and things you won't. Just an understanding and idea because this man has been there through the invasion. He helped me a lot psychologically and understanding how to do tactically and strategically how, how what you're going to need. Now, my needs are different. He's an infantryman. I'm a combo man. And there's going to be some things that I do that he never will and vice versa. Um, but NCOs that would sit down with you and actually, instead of say, just read the book and that's it, sit down with you and explain to you things of, well, this is how we used it over there the first time during the invasion. Just guys that would be more like mentors than me. I had, like I said, if I, if I, if I had a bad NCO, I don't remember it. I can remember bad officers. I can remember, I can remember them right now. I can't remember all their names, but I can, Lieutenant Colonel, the guy that I showed you that's in one of these pictures that was our battalion commander, that's major, that's actually, there that he's probably doing uh, inspection on. This man was on Jeopardy, from what I hear, I don't know if it's true or not, probably is, spoke, I think, three or four different languages, uh, had a mustard stain, which means he's jumped into combat on his wings. There's a gold star in the middle of his jump wings. Uh, Ranger, 75th Ranger Regiment deployment, which I don't know if he was a part of the 75th or not. He was tapped Ranger and had that. I don't know if he was attached to them or if he was actually with them overseas. But this man, just by talking to you, would make you feel like you were the smallest person in the world because he did not know how to talk to people. Very smart, intellectual, probably genius. But when it came to talking to you, just talking a normal conversation, you would feel like you are the dumbest person that has ever walked the face of the earth. Was it intentional? Probably not, but he had no people skills whatsoever. Like, I can remember that. NCOs, I I don't remember a bad NCO well, that I ever had. I, I remember, work, you know, I worked in hospitals a lot. Right. And, um, and I was doing my initial training. They talked about the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. And they said, well, well, if you have a doctor and they're doing surgery on you, you don't want them to be empathetic. 
We don't want them to understand how you're feeling and what you're thinking. You want that doctor to come in and cut the cancer right. out and move on. Right. That's all you want that guy to do. Right. And they said there's, they've done these studies where like a, the doctors would come and do the bedside visit afterwards. And the one would sit down and he'd stay there for two minutes and he wouldn't very much listen at all. And he would just kind of like tell you the facts and just get up and leave. And then have another guy come in, he would, stay, he would stand in front of you and he would talk to you very kindly and listen and, and stay for 10 minutes and really care about you. And every time afterwards, they ask the patients. I mean, this is like, you, you can look up these studies. The patients would always say, well, the one that sat down really cared about me. And they had geared it to show that because, because like, you have to have both. Like, yeah. and, and in some ways, that leader who is just kind of brash, kind of whatever, well, he's got a part in the big picture. He does. It's strangely enough. He, he has one, and uh, it, it probably went without being recognized or anything as far as what we did over there. Didn't lose, I don't think, we didn't lose, no, we didn't lose anybody the first tour. Um, not anybody in our unit. Now, I know we had guys that were other intel units that lost, but no, we didn't lose anybody over there our first tour. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that goes to his credit and mission planning and understanding how to work not only three MI companies, but a LERSH unit that basically stood on the Syrian border the entire time uh, doing long range reconnaissance. It worked great because with the way the MI units worked, um, they operate small teams. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they go out three, four and they stay in an area and you have to go build these relationships and, and these things are gone now. The, the, yeah, the, teams the, the teams are gone. The the LERSH units have all been disbanded from what everybody has told me now. Um, and these these guys, it speaks, I guess, credit to maybe his strategy as far as how to implementing all these teams correctly and, and doing that and, I guess, getting the mission done. But some people just suck at communicating. It's just not a people person. <laughs> it's not a people person. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But... Uh, I will, I will definitely remember the guys. I guess I remembered his name. I don't know his first name. I just know it's Lieutenant is what I know him by. I'm sure he's way up there now. Um, but is a man that I will never forget ever well, as, as far as being a person see, he to was, lead. I would say that he was, he was much more of a mentor in his leadership. Absolutely. And because he showed you something to do. Remember somebody's name. Yeah, it's important. Absolutely, like your daughter Jade is important. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and that's just one of many. But I was just very impressed that after a few weeks, he asked, "How how is Jade doing?" Them? Wow, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Right? <laughs> yeah, doing all right, I guess. <laughs> hey, so so let's um let's dig into some like crazy stuff. Okay, I mean because you're still alive, you're employed, correct. And from what I know about you, you help people out and take care of your family. You're excited about moving. You're in, you invest in your wife's life. Correct. Um, and yet 22 a day of us are taking our own lives. Yep. Despair, hopelessness, pain yep. becomes too great. All, all of that. You know, we call it PTSD. Um, and, and, you know, and there's PTSD. There's moral injury. There's depression, there's hopelessness. And so, you know, there's depression, hopelessness, the anger. Um, even Betsy don't have either one of those experience right. a lot of anger sometimes. How are you making it? I mean, how do you navigate that? You've been out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have a wife that puts up with a lot of it. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, I've told her many times. I mean, my wife has helped me get through a lot. Whether she actually knows it or not, like sitting down and let's talk through this or not, um, she has helped me more than I'll probably ever be able to express. Now, there was a time. Well, this is how. This is one way that she did it without ever telling me. Uh, I mean, I had a bad drinking problem. Horrible with liquor. Uh, and I remember every Christmas I used to go down and I used to do it in silence. And I don't know why it was Christmas. There was nothing about it compared to any other holiday that I would go down there. And I would just drink myself into a stupor and cry. Uh, I don't know. There was nothing particular around that holiday connected to with anything that happened in the military. I just remember guys that have been injured, have been shot, have been blown up by IEDs. Um, I'll never forget, there's PFC Raithley, who I actually, my, I took my wife to visit him in the hospital. He was in on our second tour over there. Uh, he lost his whole lower mandible on an IED. Gone. And they had to literally take and stitch him. I mean, this is a kid. This is 18-year-old kid. 19. He's not 21. I know that. He's a very young kid. And just watching him being fed through a tube in his belly button, like that's how he ate. This is at Walter Reed. I used to go up there, I don't know, every once in a while and go see some of the guys whenever I could make it. Just, I guess all of these, was it worth it? Were we doing the right thing? It all hits me, I guess. I guess maybe at the end of the year or whatever, and you just sit there and I'll just drink. My wife never told me, stop drinking alcohol. She never did. But I knew right there, if I didn't put it in check, she was going to walk out the door. She never told me that, but I knew it was going to come to that. And she literally helped without saying anything, but I could just, is the energy. And that's one way that I, I have curbed drinking tremendously just because of her. And that right there has probably helped control a lot of my anger and other issues with it. Do I still drink beer? Yeah, I do. Um, but I have helped, she has helped me put a lot of things in check. And realizing that I used to worry about everything. I used to have to know how everything, no matter what. If you tell me, like of this interview, like if you were to text me, <laughs> like I would have to know where, what are we going to do, what are we going to talk about. How I used to have to know every detail before I went out and did anything. And I have learned now, just let it go, man. It does not. Most of this stuff does not matter that I worry about. And I'm pretty sure stress was going to kill me. And I have learned, I don't know how, just to let go of a lot of things. Uh, to include a lot that I personally believe things that we did over here, I don't know if I agree with or not. Um, it, you mean did enough? All right. Correct. I, I just don't know how I feel about it still. And that's okay. Um, but a lot of it was eating me up alive. And my wife has shown me a lot how to just... By show by her doing it herself, let things go. Just it doesn't have to do all at once. Work on just a little bit here. Work on just a little bit there. I've learned patience. She's helped me. She's taught me patience. My kids did not teach me patience. My wife taught me patience, and I now have patience with my kids uh, to where we can actually talk. And if they do something that maybe they're not supposed to do, instead of just blowing off the handle yelling, explain to them, ask them, and talk to them. Well, why did you do it this way? And work, I mean, just little things. I used to explode 
and I think a lot of it was drinking, and I, especially hard liquor, uh, and I don't do that. That that has helped me personally. It may not with others. I don't know. It's how I got through it, uh, and just letting go, realizing I'm not going to change anything in the past, anyways. Whether with what I believe or not, I believe what we did over there. But it, but it's, is it just a letting go of Iraq in this past, or is it a grabbing onto something new? Both. Um, so now I'm going to go a little political here. I didn't really want to, uh, but when I was in the army, I, I, the second time I was over there, I really started questioning everything we were doing. I really did. The first time we were over there, I fully go ahead. Well, as you're doing this. Don't be political. Just talk about what you believe. Okay. Do that. Because uh, that's important. I, the, by the second time we were over there, I, I was... I, I did not believe what we were doing over there was the right thing. Uh, nobody could really explain what we were doing there. We were just going to bring a bunch of people in here, right? It's the surge. This is it. But what were we actually doing? The only thing we were doing was going around, driving in circles, looking for things. There was no actual mission to me that I could see. I remember the vehicles, they were flipping pigeons on us and following our route, flipping pigeons in Iraq. I had no idea that that was actually a thing, flipping pigeons. Uh, and we were just going What around, is flipping pigeons? Warning uh, other people in the area of our routes and where we're going. Oh. They would release them. they clap their I don't know how they do it. You can look it up and see. Uh, and they would send off these birds... And it would actually signal to other people where we were at and where we were probably headed based on route. And, of course, we never try to take the same route twice. You know, you're always taught, taught that, you know, when you go, don't take the same way back either. Go different ways. But it just didn't seem like we were doing anything that actually mattered. We were just looking for something. We were, we're, we were pushing out, quote-unquote, Al-Qaeda. And we've left there now. And I watch it still to this day, and I guess maybe this is why I haven't let go completely, is because kids that were in, not even in kindergarten, are now, when 9-11 happened, are now, my daughter turns 18 in March. She was two when I left. She can now actually be sent to fight the same war that I was? I mean, what do we do? Is There's no way there's a goal there in my opinion. Otherwise, it would have been met. I don't think we know what we did over there. I know there was no weapons of mass destruction, but we never found them. We were in a intel unit. Now, I was an intel as combo, but I had access to the talk. I knew what the chatter was. We never found them. They're never there. And so it has that nagging issue in your head of that all these vets, the ones that I've met and the ones that I never have, the ones that did way more of me, talking about like the Corongal Valley. I've watched things on those guys. They said those guys hadn't seen that much PTSD since rounds fired since World War II. Was it worth it? Like did and so going back to where I was saying I was going to get political, but I'm just gonna be myself. This one I found Ron Paul. And Ron Paul has played a very huge role in my I, life. I don't know who he is a, he was a congressman from Texas. Okay. He has played a very, very important role role in my life as far as shaping how I think about war. Um, whether you agree or not, he, he has played a very profound role in that. Uh, and he received more donations from military vets than all other. This was back in, he ran in 2008 and 2016. He also ran back in the 80s, but he was under the libertarian candidate at that time. 
He ran as a Republican in 2008 and 2016. I was personally involved in his campaign in 2016. 2008, uh, that's when I really started digging into it when I got out. But he received more votes or more donations from milita military veterans than all other camp uh, contenders combined. And I started going through and reading his work on war and what, what is correct and what is just and the just war theory. Uh, and so part of that me will never, I don't know if I can ever fully let go of Iraq because I, I get so pissed off whenever you, hearing you talk about what, every 22 minutes, is that every, every hour? 22 a day. Every tw 22 a day. I get 65 minutes. I get, like that. that pisses me off. It pisses me off something fierce. You know, World War Two, the American Revolution, those were different wars. That, what did we do? I, look at Iraq now. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> awful. I'm there, man. It is awful. I, I, I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I, when, when you... I get mad because there's, you know, a lot of people who were never in, and they just look, you know, well, they knew what they were signing up for, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it, and I guess I can understand that. I guess I can understand the argument of what they're saying. I guess I can, in the realm of possibilities, get it. But those are still real people. I've met some of, I have met my closest friends in the military that I have today. The absolute, I'm talking about guys right now. I could call them up right this very second. And John McNevin, another outstanding NCO that I have, who is now one of my absolute, what I would call brothers. I could call him up at any moment. I could not talk to him in 20 years. Call him up at any moment, and it would just be like yesterday that we talked, and we would just pick up. We would never go through that whole weird awkwardness of haven't seen each other. Or anything. It would just not be like that. I've met some of the greatest people I've ever met in the military, and I get mad thinking that those people are scarred. John got shot. John lost his entire bi bicep. He almost lost his life. If he hadn't put his arm down, that, that AK bullet was going through his armpit into his heart. He just so happened to put his arm down at the right time and his bicep blown off. It looked, you know, ever seen skateboarders on those half pipes? That's what his biceps look like. And, and, did, he, and did he sit and uh, did he cry about it or anything? No, this man now is a firefighter for two different uh, fire units as a lieutenant. And he's some of the strongest people that I've ever met. And he went through hell and back. I watched him at his house. I watched what he went through. I sat with him, I don't know how many nights. And I want to look at some of these guys that sent us over there. Like, you tell me it was worth it. You telling me that what we did over there was worth it. Because I want to see what it was that came out and how many more lives are you. Give us a mission plan over there and actually execute it. Don't send us over there just to be shot at. And I've yet to let that go, obviously, as it's coming out of me. <laughs> well, you know. You, I don't think you're alone. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, to some degree, everybody. I mean, look, look at me, man. What about, look at you. This is my whole life. It's become the military. Your you, whole. You, you talk about it being important. No, it's like, a. And changing you. And yeah, I don't think you ever get over it. I don't think you ever move beyond it. But I, I, I do believe that like the purpose of being in Iraq or Afghanistan for me. Might not have been. I don't know anything about Afghanistan that I saw. Well, yeah. either way, I, yeah. like I'm just saying, I don't. I I can't look at the deal and say here was why we were there. I, I, can't, I can't either do that. But what I can do is this: 
I was stuck. Yep. And I ain't, I'm still stuck, but I ain't stuck like that. I matured. I'm growing. I'm doing something with my life. I found people that I could believe in. And so I've had to repersonalize. I've had to take, like when you showed me the picture of the Tigers or the Euphrates, whichever river that was. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, that brought back something. Right. I remember going down there and like we flew to Basra and it was, you know. Um, it, it blows me away that I can't. I can't answer that question either, and I and I you know I've quit watching politics. Now I did watch the State of the Union thing the other night, um, and I loved it when he said, "Great nations don't continually stay at war." That's exactly what I thought. That's, my cousin. That's the only thing. I've I got ever, a cousin. I really who and I are like, very anti-war. You know, I grabbed onto that, and yeah. in a, in a, you know, I really believe that children are special and important. Even, I agree, even if they're unborn. Um. The rest, everything else, I just, I, I hear people talking, but when they talk about war and they talk about making democratic nations and making other people do things, I wonder to myself, do they really understand? Because it's not, it's not as simple as no. like when we were driving. It's very around, tribal. I I, yeah. And I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's like, it's, you've, it, Tribal is the word because it's a very tribal culture. It is. So when you take a modern culture like ours right. and you go into a tribal culture. That's still the 7th century B.C. or, or A.D. No, it's not going to work. No. It's not going to work. I mean, did you see people live on electricity and turn on AC in their house? No. In fact, just getting used to the cultures. It's, I remember uh, so going out with one of the teams. Uh, I don't remember what company it was. Um but I was qualified for 249 gunners. That's why I went out with a lot of the teams uh, in the MIs. Whenever I'd fill their ANCDs up or their radios up from our ANCDs, uh, they'd be like, you want to roll out? I could be the gunner. So that's what I did. I was a 249 gunner. Uh, and they're like, okay, when you get in here, don't show the bottom of your feet. What? Don't show the... Apparently showing the bottom of your foot in Iraq is like giving the middle finger over here. Yeah. Like, okay, all right, so I'm not going to do that. Then, you know, you would think that over here, if... I come over into your house, and I eat. I don't eat all of your food. You're thinking, well, he didn't like my food. Well, in Iraq, if you actually eat all the food, they take that as a sign of, or at least what these team members were in these certain areas, that that's a sign of disrespect, and that what it is is, well, we didn't have enough food to feed you. And you don't think about these things. And, and so here are just two little small, puny examples of how they think. And then you're going to come over here and actually change their entire way of how they live? It's just not going to happen. I don't care what you do. And that's okay because we don't want anybody to come over here and try to change the way how we, we do, do our things yeah. here. We have our own problems to worry about here. They have their own problems to worry about over there. And that's just how they live life. And that's okay. That's fine. It's just, I always, when you brought it up, here are two small examples that I've mentioned. I've always just thought, and, and we're going to, Get them out to the polls and vote. I mean, this is insanity. I mean, <laughs> no, I, really, I mean, this is crazy. I always, I always wondered about that too because the I went to a party once and I'm a chaplain, and they wanted me to sit at like the head of the table in front of the colonel. And I was like, oh no, you know? Well, why? And, and they why? said, well, because you're the most important person here. Because in their world, the imam. That was the, it's the most important. Is the most important. How do how do you change that? You don't because here the pastors are the servants 
supposedly. I mean, like, you know. Well, that's the hope. Except for the ones with the Jets. Right. But, like. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was just, you know. Um, He's going to use that jet to serve. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, good land. But. It's a different, it's, 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 I, you know, and I look at it and I think, well, I can't fix, fixate, I guess is the way they say it, fixate upon the disappointment that I feel from not being able to say, like my great uncle did, well, we beat the Japanese, but we weren't really beating the Japanese, we were restoring order to the world. And and it was like I remember my great uncle kind of saying that like he rest, he helped restore order. Right. He wasn't focused on the enemy because they were no longer the enemy. Right. I mean, if it wasn't for the Japanese, I don't think these fine cameras would be working as right. well as they're exactly. working right now. Um, I guarantee you, my Nikon camera would right. be. But it, the thing that that blows me away is that you and I can't say that we restore order. In fact, it made it worse, actually, for a good long time. And in 22 a day of us, are, uh, there's something going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so I thought to myself, like, we could go out here and by letting folks tell their stories. Because you, my friend, Brian, you have fan responsibility. Not to be a negative, but responsibility to be a blessing you've you've well to be a human live yeah you actually you're appreciate life you yeah. know and actually appreciate others lives and and the fact that we are all walking on this whatever we this is uh and i think emulating good only produces more good emulating bad only produces you know more bad and at, at some point you get to choose and i I don't know if I'm trying to make up for everything that I disagree, feel like that I did in Iraq or part of that cog in the wheel that I don't know what we did over there. I don't know how many Iraqis were killed. I don't know how many vets lost their lives. I don't know how many will never come back mentally that they may know, never show a scar on the front on their body one bit, but in their mind they're gone. They are gone. They are lost. I don't know. But if I guess if you want to see good, then be good. And if you want to see bad, then be bad. If you if you actually want to see it, then just do it, and you will see it. Be good. And I try to, in, in, in the ways that I can, help people or do whatever. Do I fail at it miserably all the time? Yeah. I mean, I should do more. I always feel like I should do more. You should always do more, whatever that is. Help people in whatever ways that they can. And I will tell you this. Like, okay, this last government shutdown. Okay, that we just went through, and, you know, my wife's in the Coast Guard. And, oh, yeah, so she wasn't so getting we, paid. So we weren't getting paid or whatever. But... The community, at least, like, there was a lot of people that I saw actually came together. There was a lot of people I saw that weren't prepared for it. But there are also a lot of people that I saw came together and helped each other out. And we did, definitely within our little circle of people. Uh, we helped each other out. And if anybody else needed help, we, we would. And it always seems like it always has to come down to, well, this is happening, so now we have to come together. I don't know how you do it in your daily lives where we all try to do better among ourselves and to other people and to help and to give and charitable things. I don't know. I don't even know if it's feasible. People are in their daily routines and as humans, we, we like routine and that's what we do and we stick to it because that's what we know and that's what comforts us is that routine that we're in. But 
looking back and, and tying this into Iraq, from going in into getting out and actually seeing what humans are capable of, one on the bad side and two on the absolute love and respect for two human beings or multiple human beings is that's with soldiers. It is a very odd situation as to when you're thrown back into society and that is no longer there. And you, you go to your normal job and these people have no idea what you've been through and never will understand the connections that two humans can actually have that are not related by blood in any way, but have all of a sudden become closer than most family members ever will become. It is a very odd thing to try to go back into society. Even now it's been, what did we say it's been? 11 years? 11 years now for me out. 11 for you, Tim. I, no, noticeably so, anybody that I've yet... So in Oregon, when I got out of the... Put some time for him. When I got out of the Army, I was at Fort Bragg. My wife was in North Carolina. We moved in 08 to Oregon. In Oregon, I met one person that I had a major connection with. He was in the Coast Guard. His name is Jordan. Okay. When I moved down to Alabama, the only person that I really had like that strong, real connection to is with Mark. He's in the Coast Guard. It's, it seems like, and I don't know anything about the Coast Guard, believe it or not. Like My wife is in the Coast Guard, and I can tell you like what her job is. is basically like a 911 operator for the Coast Guard. Whenever she does a real job here, it's a little different. It's a training facility, and she does stuff with jets and stuff. I don't really keep up with it. I don't really care. But I've noticed that every person that I've actually made this major connection to has actually been in the military. And we've never even done the same thing. I don't even know about their jobs. But I guess it, like with Mark, it's a person that, well, not only on the Coast Guard side, but he's also law enforcement side. He gets it. Yeah. And he gets it, and we've gotten it without ever even talking about it. And that connection, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's there. And we get along like brothers now. I mean, we really do. And we never really even talk about that type of stuff. But it's just that people that get it, I guess. And when I say it, I just mean that idea of that brotherhood and that connection that that exists among people that most people don't ever get to feel or or actually see or understand. Well, it's you know, like they always talk like the the show Brothers at War. Mm-hmm. I immediately equated that with Band of Brothers. I wasn't thinking. <clears throat> genetic brothers right that movie was about genetic brothers that, yes that movie was genetically genes. right and yet sitting on that couch that night i knew we were brothers right the first time i went over there that you know y'all had a party going on right man my anxiety was up because it was somebody walked up to me and said hey you got to go to this thing right and i was like oh okay and <laughs> You know, I need details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's well, going to be there? Oh, what? When are we leaving? Yeah, I totally understand. I <laughs> and totally it's get and it. it's like this weird thing in this world. That, well, do you know I didn't say anything, man? Because your your anxiety was up. Oh, I know. So, well, and, and it just felt right though to sit there with you because we I, sat that night. Yeah, you sat on the long couch or whatever. And you with sat you, on the small. And one. I sit right there, and I didn't say much because I get it, man. I totally get it. Like Marcus just Marcus just told me very vague things like man he just and I and, and it's well, very small and I just I get it because the, trust me if you weren't in I wouldn't be sitting here doing this with you like if you had not served I mean right. I don't tell this I don't I don't open up about any of this to anybody not for the simple fact of oh no you'll never understand I don't know what it is it's nothing like that it's just that dude it's, it's two it's just two different things it's we earned 
Right. I I, I don't. Like when when I went, I'll never forget Sand Hill. That's a Fort Benning before you go into the reception right. area. And I did basic training at Fort right. Benning, man, and it was no joke. I, I mean, was at Relax in Jackson. <laughs> I did AIT there. So I got there for AIT. But let me tell you, for those few minutes, what happens is the change that took place in yeah. this. And I was 29 years old. Right. I wasn't a child. Right, you were the old man there. I was the old man. <laughs> right. But it changed me so much yeah. that, like, what I who I trust now yeah. is you. Yeah. And, I, and when I think of Band of Brothers, and, and that's why I'm out here doing this. And it's weird because somebody once said to me, it's like, well, when your life is doing what other people do for enjoyment, when your work is going to, to bars and to clubs and to churches and to parties, and you talk to people and you play music and you listen None of that stuff's fun anymore. It's work. And then if you drop on, hey, you need to go over here. <laughs> right. Then it's like, and, and and I didn't know who was going to be there. Right. You know, I knew Mark was going to be there. Yeah. And Jessica and the kids. And, right. And, and Uncle Billy was rolling with us. And he was, you know, he was in, <laughs> he, he's army too, you know. Mark has told me vaguely. I don't ever care to ask, but he's told me vaguely. He some was. Stuff. Yeah. He like. Was. He did. We, he did one of these interviews. Yeah, that's yeah. what he said. He did it for a while or whatever. Yeah, it was. It was an that's hour. That's pretty good. 15. Yeah, because yeah, you know, we did it right in the next room. But it was even with all that, my anxiety hit the roof, and I I think you're onto something. The fact that the people that you wind up trusting, the reason you find, I mean, your wife's in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. You love your wife. Absolutely. You know, there's this one thing of. Um, this guy named Paul in the scripture says, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, Christ loves the church enough to continually forgive the church. Right. <laughs> I, mean, cause you, cause, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but here I am, the Reverend Dr. Ex-Army Chaplain, and I see what a freaking mess <laughs> the church is. Christ loves the church to die. You know, we, we have crosses all over the place. It's written um, by humans. What do you expect? Yeah, you know. And so, and then he says, husbands love your wives that way. How do you love your wife? You know, it's, it's a weird thing because, like, you've talked about your wife loving you today. And I see you loving your wife. I've been around y'all. And you, you, you care for Bobby. Of course. You love her. And you go the extra mile. And... And, and the fact that you're finding your friends in the world that she's in. And you don't have to know every detail. Um, and it's weird because, you know, most military spouses are wives. Yep. And mm-hmm. one of my, my, my probably best friend, guy friend, he's a military spouse. And his wife's a commander. And, and it is crazy because he was in at one time, too. So he'll show up and, and they'll, like, start saying stuff to him and he's like I'm not curling but you're talking to her and like the mistake you know like cause people just assume that and it's it's kind of funny so, we went, you know? so she just had she just had a she just had a LASIK surgery done mm-hmm. and uh we we had that at the what's, what are the Air Force bases over there in Biloxi or um, Keesler? the name of it yeah yeah I think so <laughs> she said the same thing she uh I don't know the conversation wasn't really important, but she was saying something like, some guy was being rude or whatever, and 
she said, yeah, he probably thinks that, uh, you know, I'm just a spouse anyways and just a service member. And I'm like, you got a full beard going on here. How do I, how am I going to, oh no, she said, oh, you're just probably on leave or something. Like that. I'm like, are you serious yeah. right now? Two weeks leave right there. <laughs> I mean, give me this a hormones. <laughs> he just shaved this morning. Yeah, I get, I get a lot of people, uh, I get a lot of people that, you know, say, well, I guess I shouldn't say a lot of people, but people are, oh, your wife's in just, yeah, she, and today it's really not hard to see a, a woman in the military. I mean, I served with, I've got pictures of team members that we were out with. I mean, uh, that's Sergeant Eckroth, um, and that, I think her last name was Duffy, but those are, uh, E4, E5, I think she was actually an E6 team member, uh, leading out teams in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so it's not hard to see. We, we know some badass people. Yeah, I mean, they're out there. Um, this. Yeah, I mean, that's you just. In there? Uh, I'm probably taking the picture on that one. Most of these I'm either taking, some I'm actually in, but these are all off my Cody. Kodak, Kodak, I can show whatever. this one, right? There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing in any of these you can show. That's actually Eckroth, and she went to, um, if I'm not mistaken, she went to like uh, group uh, as a support and did awesome things Is she there. Still in group? She's still. Oh, in group? I have no idea. I, I just know when she. That. I don't know if she. Uh, she she left or not. Um, she's probably out. To be honest with you, because oh, what's that right there? Oh, that's just a, a jump. That's. So that's Sergeant Gear right there, and for the life of me, he was an O three. I don't remember his name, but that's just us pre jump, and that's the pictures in the jump. There's the C one thirty right there. Here, is this showing Kate? Like, is it focusing? On? I think so. God, if he was here, and I really liked him. I just can't remember. His name. He was an O three. He was a captain something. I don't remember his name. Hey, what's hey? Show me his picture with the palm trees. That brings back something. <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, you know, my second time over there. I don't know. Did you ever, did y'all ever hear? And I knew this was going to happen. They were all going to go back to download again. I'll have to bring them another time. Did y'all ever go to Cop Callahan or Cop Ford? Was that? Anywhere? I never went. Uh, there was one fob north of uh, Baghdad. Okay. And they were shutting everything down when I was there. Okay. So I was combat stress control chaplain, and I flew to certain places. You know, bombs were being laid down at the bottom. And, right. And we stayed at, um, I can't remember the name for the life of me right now. Let's see if I can't continue to talk but, while I do this. No, probably. It, you know, like my, the weird thing is my chaplain assistant, who's still in, man, the best guy I ever worked for I felt like I worked for him like he as an assistant mm-hmm. he knew how to do everything he would tell me where to go he valued not just my time but his time mm-hmm. it was incredible and um, he had been to Mosul mm-hmm. and they're right by the border he said the year he was there it was just or maybe he was there twice I can't remember but he said when he was there it was just nothing but bam 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 night after night and shelling and he said it was like just about horrible. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find these. Well, pictures. David Carlin was telling me about going from Mosul to, I think, Anaconda, and it started having incoming. And everybody, he said, everybody was like freaking out, get out, go to the bunkers. And he was like, can I just get some food? I just want to eat. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here. And we were like, what? 
Dude, shouldn't you get in the bunker? He's like, I just want something. I don't care if things are blowing up. Yeah. Um, well, it, that's a that's a tough thing too because all those memories they're forever with you. That is so true. Um, you, but you know what? Still, the things that like I remember more. I, I don't know why it hits, it hits me more than it, it's. It's always like hearing about the stories afterwards when we get back of guys reacting and. and, and I will never forget the night staying up with John. I will never forget that. I will never forget those nights where it was just me and him, and he just needed somebody there. And I'm not going to go into details about that, but I just remember those nights, and those are the things that I remember more than anything, and watching what he went through. This is the guy with the arm. With the arm, yeah, who was shot. And those are some of the things that I'll never forget, watching guys – and trying to be guys and, and hide it and all that and mm-hmm. maybe only letting in very few people into that world to just mm-hmm. get him through. And that are things that I will never forget. And, and that's you going up to Walter Reed. Well, no, that was at his house. At his house. Rayfully was the guy. And I took Bobby with to see Rayfully. Uh, and she, she teared up. I remember watching him. This kid... He used to, <laughs> I remember, we were at Cobb Ford at this point. So, <laughs> Callahan, I'm trying to find pictures of it. I know I have it on here because I saw it. But, um, Callahan was this three-story mall. Okay. And when I mean, like, literally taking it over, it's already abandoned. It's not like we're kicking people out or anything. This thing is just a mess. I mean, you're sleeping, like, on the sleeping bag or whatever, and all of a sudden you feel it's a uh, rat running right over you. I don't know. I mean, rats. I'm not talking about little mice. I'm talking, you hear grown men screaming about a rat just running all over them or like whatever. No, I mean, it is mm-hmm. bad. Uh, I was going to, uh, I have them in here. I will show you. I was setting up the, com- uh, set up the combo there. And I remember I have to literally set up the combo, like all the antennas and stuff, as low as possible so I don't get shot at. Because we literally just, Came in. We were at Solder City. I, for, I don't know what the base was named in Solder City. It was a big base. But the, the the colonel or the general, I don't know whose directive this came down from, they wanted us further in so that we didn't have to drive all over the place just to get further into Solder City. So then that's when they found Callahan. Well, then, I don't know if it was our battalion or if it was our company. I can't remember. They're like, oh, well, we're going to even do one better. We're actually going to go and make this new one. And they called it Ford. And we, they called it Cobb Ford because of Sergeant Ford, who got killed. Callahan was named after Sergeant Callahan. I think he was an E7 when he when he died. Um, and then Sergeant Ford was an Alpha Company. I believe he was an E5 or E6. He was killed, I don't know, around January. January or February, right when we got in there. Um, but here you go. Setting up Cobb Ford. Uh, every other house is elevated above. And here's this building we took that's just a little lower. Not a lot, but still enough to be like, man, this this sucks. Next day, when we got there, all you see is those black Mahati whatever flags that they had over there that like showed they were part of that solder, whatever his army was. Or his, that's all you saw. 
the next day they're like oh crap you know we've we're right in this, this is in great the midst of it. wonderful planning we're we're literally <laughs> surrounded by all these now nothing ever terribly did happen you know to that base now Cop Callahan got attacked bad um but Cop Ford never really got attacked that but it's Sucked so bad. But this is getting back to Raithley. I always get off track. <laughs> I was at Raithley at Cobb Ford, and this kid used to keep one bullet right here. And he's like, I'm not counting my rounds. I'm going to empty out everything I have, and when that's it, he's going to take that one. And that's how he – he just, just kindly joke around with it. And this kid was funny. This kid was intelligent. He'd make people laugh. You'd never see him complain. When they showed me his vehicle – I don't know how anybody survived. It was rubble. I don't know if you guys dealt with this or not during your time over there, but and I you can pull it up. They were dealing with some new IEDs that were cutting right through that armor. Um, EFPs, I believe, I think they're called. If we can look that up or see, but they were a different style of IEDs, and they were penetrating right through. In fact, I remember. I remember part, part of the things that we did to combat that was we take those big water jugs yeah. and we'd line our vehicles up around it hoping that water would slow this molten whatever they had designed in. But they showed me his truck and it was flattened, completely rubble. I don't know how anybody didn't die, but Raithley, here's this kid. He, like I said, he lost his whole lower mandible. Gone. And they sewed this back up on him. And... These are things that I remember, seeing him like that in that hospital, seeing John like how he was. These are things that have stuck with me more than actually being over there, watching what these guys went through in their head. Uh, I think a lot of it, you, like for me, sometimes you have survivor's guilt, or why did anything bad happen to me? Why did these guys? Why, why, why? And those are questions that will never be answered, nor are they ever. It's just, it just is what it is. It's... It's yeah. nothing to ever question. It's it just it sucks is all it is. It just sucks. It is what it is. Thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.